Hey, welcome to episode 81 of the Horror Dads podcast. Today, John and I are going to discuss cursed slash haunted objects from horror films. What's up, John? What's up, dude? This is a great episode. Dude, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, this was kind of uh, a little tougher than I thought it would be. And we, we Yeah, you fight that urge to go too obvious. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's hard to avoid. You, you don't want to just leave, like, obviously omit, you know, really, like, ones that are important to you. But you also want to try to scratch ben- below the surface and dig some stuff up that we don't talk about too much. I think we did a healthy mix of both. Yeah. Um, I feel like you, I feel like I played it a little safer than you did. And I wish, I envy some of your picks, man. Oh, well, so, thank you. Uh, this is this is great. So we're going to talk about 10 different films. So cursed yeah. objects from those films. Um, and uh, we're going to do a little deep dive around some, like, <laughs> I guess, literary understanding of cursed objects the MacGuffin from the hitchcock era and whatnot <laughs> i'll do a diatribe uh everyone will really dig it but uh before we do that we always like to catch up um do some little just housekeeping stuff we call it talk about what we've been watching what we've been buying and uh then we'll jump into our episode so if you're if you're new to the nice. show uh welcome if you're coming back thanks for joining us again uh so we'll just chat for 10 minutes and then Jump into our uh, top ten. All right, man. What uh, what have you been watching lately? Anything new? So uh, I watched this movie called Glorious. So we went and saw a movie um, that I think you you'll I'll let you mention uh, with our buddy Zach. And then afterwards, after the movie, uh, we were standing around talking for a second, and he was telling me that he watched the movie Glorious. Uh, I was like, oh shit, I've been meaning to see this because it's Rebecca McKendry's movie. Um, so that inspired me to go home and watch it, uh, which I did. And, uh, it's, it's actually, uh, oh man, it's pretty, it's wasn't what I was expecting. It was like, it's funny, it's heavy. Uh, it's not super scary per se, uh, but it's just like kind of horrific what you're watching unfold. You know, uh, it's about this guy who stops at a rest area, clearly like battling like a bad breakup and like some, like, you know head shit going on he's like chugging whiskey so like you always know somebody's unsettled at a rest area yeah Mm. right so then like wakes up in the morning he like passes out wakes up in the morning like puking and shit and goes into the bathroom gets trapped in the bathroom um and starts kind of like dealing with internal shit and is hearing voices and dealing yeah uh so yeah it's a fun one to watch unfold and um what else have I been watching? Oh, I finished Wednesday, uh, my wife and I, and that, dude, so fun. You guys have to get into it. I think your kids will love it, and uh, your wife would probably dig it as well. Yeah, I think um, my wife watched it over the holiday break. She had the flu and was out of commission for a few days, so I think I think she ran through it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh, uh, I also watched this movie called uh, Copycat from uh, 1995. Oh, Sigourney yeah. Weaver. Uh, also known as the net or <laughs> along came a spider Dude, yes. or it's fucking... very much in the vein of like seven and uh you yeah. know those any morgan freeman movie in the late 90s <laughs> yeah. uh ashley judd was always in those for some fucking Dude, reason e- every time <laughs> always yeah uh but this is a pretty it's actually a pretty fun one uh so you have like at the beginning sigourney weaver and like this really fucked up looking harry connick jr uh, they have this altercation at the beginning. She's like a psychiatrist who delves into like the psychology of serial killers and trying to kind of, uh, learn to how I learn to 
uh, identify serial killers maybe before they become the monster that they should be. Oh, like Mindhunter-esque? Uh, yeah, bit, yeah, very much like that. Yeah, trying to get into the psyche of these killers to learn how to prevent them in the future. Um, yeah. And then she has this altercation at one of her conferences. Uh, and then we cut to like months later or whatever where there's this uh, investigation going on with a murderer and uh, they're trying to figure out who's doing it, but he's copying like uh, the motif of serial killers throughout history and uh, staging the, the kills that way. So oh shit! they reach out to her for help. She lives in a high rise apartment. Uh, ding, ding, ding for us. Uh, there's always a selling point. Apartment dads. We and just uh, love apartment horror films. They live in like San Francisco. So her apartment has this killer like overlook of the bay. Uh, yeah. And like she's being like, you know, like this is the very big, it's 95. So it's the very beginning of like computer, like communication. And like they're like <laughs> the killers, like sending her secret messages through the computer, you know, like very like scream too. Yeah. We'll never be able uh, to figure this shit out. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it was streaming on, I don't know, stars or something, but if you're into the nineties, nostalgia, uh, copycat from 95 and Sigourney Weaver is just great, you know, always. So, oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, and the killer, like at the end, like the new killer, not the fucking, uh, whoever I mentioned, Harry Connick Jr. The killer at the end is very like, he kept reminding me of Billy Loomis. And I was like, man, oh, they ripped no this way. off of Scream. And then I look and it came out before 95. Scream. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> Did Scream rip this shit off? The guy's name's like Beat Smolrich. <laughs> yeah. He, I'm telling you, like <laughs> when you watch it, because I know you will, uh, you'll be like, yeah, this guy. All right, man. And I think his name is Billy, so. So I got to check it out, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so I checked out a few new things. So we, we did a Patreon episode where we talked about um, uh, New Year's uh, horror New Year's resolutions. So I had two New Year's resolutions. One is I wanted to watch a new film um, every week. So 52 new movies this year that yep. I've never seen. Thought it'd be good for the podcast. That's a good one. Yeah, thought it'd be good for myself. And uh, the other thing is we did a top 10 also on Patreon, movies we're most excited about uh, back in November um, for 2023. Yes. And uh, so I checked off two uh, of those items. Wait, the movies that you watched in the past two weeks have been new 2023 movies? Uh, no. I watched a new movie and one of them was 2023 that I saw in the theater. Cause that was my, my gotcha. resolution. So yep. you our buddy, Zach and I, um, our patron Zach. And, uh, we went and saw Megan, which was yes. a ton of fun, man. So like we were laughing around. Way off. funnier than I was expecting. Yeah. It was honestly, I was like, ah, oh, it's PG 13. Like everyone on yeah. social media is arguing about this. And I was like, I don't really have a position, yeah. but I think I do. And now I'm mad. Cause like I hear people chirping about it and I just had so much fun. I was so happy to be there Dude, with you guys. It was, it was a actually a blast. I, I don't, we don't get out to the theater much as you know. No. Uh, and we, so we I was kind of like, times this uh, year, this isn't a movie I would like pick to go see at the theater necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but man, I couldn't have been happier that I was there with so you guys watching that. Yeah. We were, we were all laughing really like the whole theater was laughing really heavy. Uh, we yeah. went on Friday. So like opening night. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun packed house and, uh, a lot of crowd interaction with the laughter and stuff. So yeah, I was into it. Yeah. So checked out Megan, super fun. Um, I also watched, uh, deadly games from 1982, which Whoa, was, you got that Blu-ray from our buddy, Zach, our, our other buddy, other Zach. buddy. Yeah. yeah. Um, how was it? Dude, it was so fucking really 
fun and good. It was like an episode of Columbo, but with murder and some nudity and like. Pardon some, me while I shove your Blu-ray up my uh, shirt. Honestly, so take it, it home. And yeah. there's this really wonky ass like football scene that happens. Oh, I'm in. And it's like these. It's basically <laughs> if you and I were like, hey, dude, you want to like get a tackle game together with like eight eight dudes that are between the age of 30 and 42. You just find people mowing their grass and ask them if they want to come play tackle football. So that's a scene in this movie. And then there's this guy running around in like these bears colored colors. And he has like number okay. 51 on. Is that a Chicago? Yes. And I'm like, this fucking dick butt kiss looking douche. Credits roll. Dick butt kiss in the movie. <laughs> As himself, perfect playing just that football scene. I was like, "Who the f- like? Why would that ever be like an ambition of hit? Like, what? You know, that was somebody that like grew up on the street with Dick Buckets. It was like, hey, uh, Dick, yeah. I got a role for you, man. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna play. We're gonna toss the pigskin. It's gonna be. I'm great. gonna be in a movie. Yeah, I'm in. So it was fun though. Who done it? Great. Uh, nice. I think uh, the it was Scream Factor or Error Release. I can't remember which, but. Um, Beautiful Blu-ray and yeah. a lot of fun. So oh, I can't wait to, to dig into that. Yeah, and I also checked out a couple series I haven't gotten a chance to watch yet. So The Watcher on Netflix, also Ugh. Devil in Ohio on Netflix. Dude. Um, The Watcher was very... Those are both like... Chaotic and emotive, and there was a lot going on there. So I felt myself loving and hating it. And Well, The Watcher uh, starts very top-heavy, where you're like, you're in... Like, whoa, I'm in on this. Yeah, the aesthetic feels great. Naomi Watts is great. Like, the uh, act, the characters are amazing, and it feels almost like you're watching a play more than a, a sure. TV yeah. show a little bit because, like, everyone's got their spot in their place. But I, it's impossible to talk about it without ruining Oh, yeah, it. yeah. I will uh, say that I was in so. uh, for, like, the first two or three episodes, and then I, got, I hit a point where I was like, I don't even need to finish this. Like, I think I'm out. Uh, and then I... I don't even know that I did. I, I remember my wife telling me, you know, piecing it together for me. And I was also, like, I'm you, glad I didn't You might have finished it and still felt the same way. Quite that honestly. could be as well. Yeah. Because uh, it's like people confessing and then not retracting and then they yeah. recanting. And it's like, once you get into the recanting and shit, I'm out. Like, I, I don't even want to try to keep up. Lot to follow on yep. that. <laughs> Lot to follow. Uh, Devil in Ohio, similar. Like, felt like I was watching a CW. It was like <sighs> Gilmore Girls meets fucking, like, Carrie. Um meets that show mike boylan our buddy mikey from alone in the dark uh <laughs> called point pleasant which took place in new jersey this okay. like 90 it's this 90s show that's essentially this almost identical same premise um but i was really compelled to watch this because it's you know devil in ohio and like the yeah first anyone who episodes, lives in ohio and is intrigued by horror or anything mysterious you're like oh i'm in and you hear him listening to the radio and stuff and they're talking about like browns and steelers oh, and i'm yeah, like oh sure. fuck yeah, yeah dude yeah, i'm yeah, in yeah. ohio yeah. state like yeah uh talking about all that stuff and i was like man this is like my neighborhood um i but, think what happened to me was i watched like seven minutes i didn't realize that was all like cheap parlor tricks to try to cover the shitty show that i was watching <laughs> Uh, it honestly felt like a soap opera. I was like, I am out on this. Dude, it's like very, totally very out. CW. No, I, yeah. I, I will never finish that. Yeah. Well, I finished it. So if you want to talk about it? So are you, like how many skulls out of 10? Out of 10? Yeah. Oh, like 10 skull rating system. Four skulls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Didn't you text me that I should watch this? Well, I was Fucking like four skulls. No, I was like first episode in. And see what you didn't know is I'd already, I'd already been there yeah. and already fucking left. 
long gone. Yeah. Like when you sent me the text, I, I think well, I might have chuckled. I also texted like, you and your might... wife, who's my sister, and I knew she would be yeah, in on she it. She had watched so, it, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was one of those where we tried to start it together, uh, and then like, honestly, like maybe six minutes in, I was like, you right feel, on, bud. you go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to leave. And, uh, yeah. No, I knew she would come back in nine hours. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I need to mention or not mention uh, is the Terror Train 2 TV oh, release. Yeah. So we did, you came over, you had seen the Terror Train on Halloween or whatever. Uh, and then you came over a couple weeks ago and we watched them back to back because part two takes place during a different holiday. I'll let you pick up. Well, yeah. So basically, we, no one knew Terror Train, the Jamie Lee Curtis 80s film that takes place originally on New Year's Eve, was being remade to occur on the train on Halloween night. Also, zero fanfare with this movie, right? Like, I, I feel like I didn't even know it was coming out. No, no marketing, <laughs> no. nothing. What are you doing? So, this like, came out like two days before Halloween. I remember like texting you and our buddy Matt. I was like, what? You like called me like. It was like week before Halloween. We were having a Halloween party or something. I remember you calling me it's in the middle of the day. It's on I was going to get my hair cut, yeah. ready, like get ready for the party. And you're like, dude, have you seen this? Uh, yeah, I think you were eating carrots or something. You're like, have yeah. you seen uh, this uh, Terror Trains on uh, Tubi? Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah, Terror Train on Tubi. I'm eating hummus. <laughs> and it was like very, like, uh, this didn't need to be remade, but fine. Yeah. And I'm glad it takes place on Halloween and not Which is cool. this time. Yeah. And then. So that was because October. they're all dressed up anyways in, in the original. In the original so yeah. Fitting. So October of 2022, Terror Train remake comes out. Uh-huh. December 28th, 2022, <laughs> Terror Train 2 comes out on Tubi. Same train, mostly same characters. Now it takes place on New Year's Eve. Do you think they did like the Ty West thing with X and Pearl? Like they just, he just filmed it all like together? The goddamn platform in the very beginning. It's like, the, I swear to God, they were like, uh, you and you leave this scene and let's shoot it again. <laughs> yeah, that's and probably what that's they did. how it was. Yeah. So we have uh, six hours of uh, rental time at this uh, train station. <laughs> let's go. So here's what I'll say: Tubi's free, and if you like Terror Train, watch these movies because it'll make you feel things. But um, the first one I was like, eh, this, and then the second <laughs> yeah. one I was like, no, no, no. So, uh, yeah, that's how, that's where I landed. But. I was fighting that first one too. You put it on in our house, as I mentioned, and, uh, yeah, I instantly was like, wait, what? Yeah, like, no, I, this isn't necessary. But by the end I was like, it's, it's fine. Yeah. 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 Don't, and then you get into the two and no, no, now you're really feeling things. <laughs> All right. What have you been buying, man? Anything? Hey, actually it's more about what's to come. What I plan on buying. Um, yeah. Which is the toxic coffin. Um, Oh, Lost Boys. Lost Boys release, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm in the market for some new uh, long long sleeve tees. I decided that's like my new thing now. Yeah? I have one. I'm wearing it right now. I know it's not that segment yet, uh, but I'm wearing my Scream tee so we can just get that fucking out of the way. Uh, it's a long sleeve tee from Cavity Colors Glow in the Dark. But uh, shout out to Cavity Colors. Uh, but the long sleeve, you're wearing a crew neck. Like the crew neck, like long sleeve thing, I need more. Yeah. I want more when I go through my drawer and I only see the one long sleeve. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? I need more. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, but I did buy the Sylvester Stallone, uh, action classic, which I guess some people call horror. I haven't even watched it yet. Uh, it's Cobra. Never seen the movie. I feel like I know the whole movie though. 
I feel like I want to know. Like, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Never seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, let us know uh, how that. Works I know he wears that. dark sunglasses and carries like a some sort of like automatic handgun. I'm in. I'm in on that. <laughs> All right, cool, very good. Well, I a uh, I, I picked up uh, Loudmouth Threads. He's a graphic designer and tattoo artist oh, I think, in the New Jersey area. I love that guy's stuff. Yeah, dude, he just released uh, yesterday, I think, or that's when I found it at least, but uh, this new shirt, it says, uh, The Exorcist was on. It got me thinking of you. Uh, it's this, like, text written T, and it's got The Exorcist, like, typeface, mm. and this heart around it, and it's in green, and it's an homage to Scream and The Exorcist. It's it's beautiful. That's a uh, That's one of those shirts where, like, some weird guy at the mall like wink at you oh dude and you're like wait what uh oh because that's an if you know you know shirt <laughs> yeah. right so like that person will feel a connection with you and if you're not paying attention to what you're wearing one you might be million percent so uh really jazz about that and then also you know the lost boys collection you mentioned from our buddies at toxic coffin mm-hmm. and uh our buddy ben over at fright rags just did a pre-sale on this uh friday the 13th uh, like comic book style t-shirt whoa um it's amazing looking and i think that the pre-sale ends tonight at at midnight oh, which shit. is yeah so check coming it up out. on us yeah um so super revved about that as well and you know just in the market on all this stuff so much good stuff happening dude yeah oh also i know that you like to shop on uh best buy for dvds and stuff yeah they have a uh, scream 2 4k slash blu-ray you get both uh, steelbook oh. dude 1999 you you need to check it out like the artwork you'll be like i'm in yeah so we talked a little bit about what we're wearing so jamie's got his uh scream long sleeve uh shirt from cavity colors on i actually have a cavity color hoodie on over top so i'm just like all cavitied out right yeah. now <laughs> get me to the dentist huh oh no Fuck. gotta edit that out um so well actually i have a cavity colors uh <laughs> yeah, thing on you as do well. let's hug so when I moved into this house in like December 2018, um, I like I've not been able to find my box of like crew neck sweatshirts for some reason. And, like, always, you're always missing something. dude. It's always a thing. Yeah. And it like we're pretty organized people. And it was one of those like infuriating things where it's like I don't have boxes like lying around my whole fucking house and I'm living out of boxes. Like, oh, yeah. it was like there's one thing miss like where the hell it's like where your buddy gary like stacks the boxes wrong in the basement like no i told you to stack the clothes on top of the books gary blue bins first gary yeah so anyway i found my here for the free dominoes and pbr (laughs) i found my crewnecks man and i like i feel liberated so i've got one of my crewnecks on i've got this uh uh cavity killers live for this pumpkin uh like splatter tea of or crew neck of, of oranges and, and greens and and purples spider and web so in the background yeah dude i, I have that it. like short sleeve tea and i'm looking at this crew neck and i'm like mm, mm. how do i get me one of them so i i i um so i've cut, got like four more my design out and post paste it on a plain black <laughs> crew neck that i buy <laughs> bought this at joanne fabrics it's great, right yeah uh but yeah i've got like four more of these uh crew necks up there so damn be seeing them Man. rolling out yeah here. yeah Every time I come over now, it's going to be a different yeah. crew neck. Yep. Get ready, buddy. Perfect, man. All right. So uh, we're talking about what we're wearing. So let's hit our quick family stuff. What's going on with family? And then we'll jump into our uh, last uh, quick shout outs and then jump yeah. into our episode. 
So I uh, I got the new I got a new record player for Christmas. My other one, like the one speaker, was shitting out, so I haven't been playing a lot of my uh, horror vinyls. <clears throat> so I got a new record player for Christmas. Uh, so I've been playing the horror vinyls with my kids, and uh, my youngest he just loves looking at the different vinyls and the artwork and asking me questions. And uh, I was having a chat with him about Ennio Mor- Morricone. Uh, who did the thing soundtrack? And it's like, why yeah. am I having a conversation with my five year old about uh, Ennio Morricone? But it was really fucking awesome. And uh, so today he was playing, my youngest was playing VR. Uh, my nine year old and my wife and I were playing cards. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll slip on Pet Cemetery real quick. No one will even notice. And my nine year old was so like upset by this movie. Uh, he was just like, who, who would make this movie? Like there's kids dying and there's like, like <laughs> cats dying. Like who would make this? And he was like so upset at the I mean, premise great of this questions. movie. Uh, and I was like, yeah, no, I, I, I thought this might be a lighthearted thing to put on real quick and quickly had to. Nice uh, family, uh, yeah. dramedy. Change routes. Yeah. I mean, there's a great neighbor in that movie. So Dude. at least that. It, you know, what's funny is like in my mind, that movie is just like a fun put it on like and i don't know why there because it's not a fun, fun about it's not movie. a fucking fun movie <laughs> uh i have no idea why in my mind this is like a fun lighthearted thing i can put on and my son was out uh justifiably pissed that this movie exists i guess uh in his world not mine um because i love this movie so yeah well uh family wise for me he'll watch scream like he loved scream <laughs> Fuck fi- Pet Cemetery, I guess. He figured out the killers and oh, screams. Yeah. So he's a whodunit guy. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, he's yeah, going to be an investigator. Games. Yeah. Oh, I will. Be playing, be like collecting <laughs> I'll slip it on when cards, playing so. cards real quick. <laughs> so uh, my youngest, my five-year-old, she had her tonsils out on Thursday uh, morning. And uh, the doctor that did it, like my oldest had hers done too and we didn't do this for her because the doctor did not require it. But um, our new doctor, he said, like, look, if you get your tonsils out, you have to stay overnight in the hospital. So, like, I am her person. So she wanted me to stay with her that night, which is totally fine. So, you know, we went, did the surgery. I stayed overnight with her. We, I brought the switch. We played Mario. We talked a lot. But, you know, people the next morning kept coming in and saying, oh, Friday the 13th, blah, 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 blah. And my daughter kept, like, saying like oh this day is really important to my dad and i was like yeah you can stop telling people that like people are gonna start thinking it's weird <laughs> and every time it would go to a weird spot and be people would be like oh you like hey, this i heard day? you had a uh, jason tattoo yeah like just yeah. it would instantly evolve into that kind of shit right you wake up on that shitty like hospital couch and a nurse is just pulling your sleeve <laughs> up like i heard writing a report like <laughs> we're dead so long story short my youngest starts really like honing in on like talking about Friday the 13th. She's like, Hey, I know I want to watch this movie. So, uh, over the past couple of days, like I started to show, we've maybe watched a collective eight minutes of it, but, um, just showing her scenes of, you know, Annie walking through the town, finding the dog, getting in the, the like none of the, none of the, you know, impactful scenes. She's five. So, uh, but gauge being hit by a truck. Yeah. (laughs) exactly perfect uh but her interest and appetite in it was like for me as a you know horror dad i was like oh it's amazing you know it just makes me i'm smiling talking about it right now so uh i actually came over to like do the podcast came downstairs and you guys were watching friday the 13th yeah. and i was like what, what's happening in yeah. here this second time second third time we had put it on over the past couple because days because your kids was, notoriously are not the horror 
fans. Yeah. Right. My my <laughs> oldest for sure not, but my yeah. youngest is starting to show some signs. So we're you know discussing how to how do we seems it like in. she might be in there. Yeah. Uh, so a couple quick things before we get into the episode, we do have a Patreon. So if you're interested in checking out uh, some additional bonus content, we have a $5 tier and a $10 tier. So not only do you get access to additional bonus episodes, but it really uh, helps out the show and the production and whatnot and inspires us to, to make additional content and watch additional movies. So please consider joining. Helps us out a lot and you get some awesome additional content. Uh, we've got never seen it episodes. We watch movies we've never seen. Bonus episodes. Uh, we do watch through episodes, videos with our kids, stuff like that. So uh, definitely worth checking out. We also do have some merch. Uh, so if you're interested in getting some horror dads on your skin, you can have, head over to horrordads.com. We've got t-shirts, raglans, uh, uh, tank tops, koozies, sticker packs, a bunch of different stuff. So horrordads.com couple different designs we've got more coming as we head into the summer months yeah so, working on some pins and yeah so please check it out uh social media please follow us pretty much everywhere at horror dads however instagram is our primary channel and if you do like the show it would go a super long way if you would please leave us a five-star review either on apple podcast or on spotify helps others find the show helps the algorithm and also it just makes us feel really really good um, seeing all the positive, Can't discount that. yeah, all the positive comments from all the wonderful listeners. So, uh, we appreciate the growth of this show so much. You know, we're in our fourth year of doing this, which is an insane sentence to, to to start. Um, but you know, our our four year, or I guess our full three year anniversary is in a couple days, and you know, heading into our fourth year, we've got so much great content uh poised and ready to go and we're very very amped and excited to bring it to everybody so uh thanks for all the support can't wait to do it and we can't wait to do this episode on haunted cursed objects so without further ado let's get at it love you guys let's get to cursing all right so dude i am pumped about this uh topic and this episode, because uh, I think it's going to be some good conversation. We have some good items here, I imagine. Uh, I don't know your whole list. I do, but I try to forget it. Yeah. Uh, because I, I always like being surprised by the pick. Uh, so we have 10, right? Five each? Yeah, and these aren't just, uh, so we're 81 episodes into doing this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so realistically, if you, if you average, you know, 10 movies per episode, that's 810 movies over the course of, you know, three years. So Sure. We're, we're trying to pick films, A, that we haven't talked a ton about, and, and B, trying to challenge ourselves as you know, content creators to, to explore a couple of new things. So you might hear stuff on this list and be like, how the hell did they not talk about blah, blah, blah? Yeah, but yeah. We're going to hit some of that probably toward the end. I mean, there are some obvious ones. I think it, it's hard not to. Sometimes you feel you're doing a disservice by trying to sometimes go too far outside the box. I, you well, know, I, so. I backtracked on a pick like this morning. Yeah. Yeah, and had to do a a a confident, obvious one. Right. Sometimes you just uh, have to roll with it. All right. So I did a little bit of framework here to put some cool. perspective on this whole thing. So we're here to talk about, you know, cursed horror objects, haunted horror objects. Uh, I guess for for more of a allegory to the to the terminology there. But uh, I thought we would be doing a disservice to not reference and talk a little bit about uh, Alfred Hitchcock. 
Um, and the idea of the literary device, I guess, that he sort of penned the creation of, which is the, the MacGuffin, right? So the MacGuffin being per the dictionary, which is actual word in the dictionary, but it's an object, event, or character in a film or story that serves to set and keep the plot in motion despite usually lacking intrinsic importance, okay? So I feel like all of these cursed horror objects have that quality to them of the MacGuffin. Um, so this concept, uh, to, to translate it for those that watch Hitchcock and like, like Hitchcock, like the most obvious and, and, and literal version of that is in Strangers, Strangers on a Train, um, the lighter is like the MacGuffin on that, in that movie. Okay. Uh, Dial Arm for Murder, you know, you have the apartment keys. So that was another Hitchcock movie in the movie Rope he did. It's the, the whereabouts of the deceased psycho, similar thing. Uh, the whereabouts of Marion Crane, but also the $40,000 that she stole. So it's, it's this, this item uh, that typically is inanimate, I guess, that kind sure. of acts as a device to usher the story along or create problems or create, you know, create some story kind of around it. So t- talking about this episode and not mentioning that for me uh, as a person that loves horror and film and Hitchcock movies, despite him not being the greatest dude um, in real life, uh, would, would not be appropriate in my opinion. Yeah. Don't dig uh, too deep into your heroes, John. Yeah, it's hard to do. Um, but I do think another thing to do before we talk about the movies would be to maybe reference a few cursed objects in real life oh yeah let's hear it so i did some some research here on uh uh, a few different things so just digging on like the most credible and reputable sources like have you heard of wikipedia (laughs) super credible yeah (laughs) so wikipedia had this like top like fucking thousand (laughs) cursed objects so i was like really combing through there and i went down some deep (laughs) deep rabbit holes uh but a couple of kind of like super interesting ones i thought there's this painting called the anguished man which was made by an unknown um unknown artist and this of course yeah some i know be fucking guy wearing like bermuda shorts dude so this owner this guy claims to have like gotten this painting from his grandmother and he told him she told him that the artist who uh, created the painting had mixed his own blood into the paint oh no died by suicide you know, after finishing the work. And then the painting had been kind of characterized to be haunted, right? Huh. So this was like 2010, like this, not right. You know, this the recent. year 1805. Yeah. Like this <laughs> like is you somewhat recent, right? When you talk about cursed objects, 2010 doesn't sound. Yeah. Yeah. So this dude like creates this YouTube channel essentially. Yeah. And do he, we know where this took place? I do not like Berlin or something. I'm picturing, I'm picturing <laughs> some like I, this is gonna be the the next the next movie though. Yeah. Um. But so he's he's posting all these. He has like this YouTube channel like about this whole like event and series essentially that's going huh. on. So he claims he hears like crying and moaning and all these other like creepy noises in the house. Oh man. And then seeing like the figure of a quote unquote man. Um. But uh, I think the there was there were rights acquired to make a movie um, in the late 20... 10s? Yeah, like 2018-ish, yeah. something something around there. So, and it was uh, going to be about a cursed painting? I mean, we probably already have the movie, or 
it's going to happen, and we probably saw We've it. We've had a like, version yeah. of this somewhere. Yeah. I think I saw a uh, Tales from the Crypt episode. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <cursed> painting. Um, <laughs> but uh, Annabelle Dahl, obviously, super, oh yeah, super, super obvious Anything with one. the Warrens, really. Like yeah. that whole room of fucking dirty objects that they have. But, so, a common misnomer is that the Annabelle Dahl depicted in the Annabelle movies is how the doll looked, but it really was a Raggedy Ann Raggedy Ann, yeah. yeah. So. I feel like that's pretty widely known. Yeah. But so this this item is now in the, you know, Ed, Ed and Lorraine Warren Museum um, and moved there after the, the hauntings. I think it was in the late 60s, early 70s, huh. somewhere around there. Uh, and, uh, you know, very, very prevalent in the Conjuring universe, but, you know, that being a, a very, a very prominent doll. And then another painting, I think called The Crying Baby, was like Ugh. a mass-produced print. Uh, this was an Italian sort of thing in the very, very early 1900s. Uh, so you got to think around First World War time. Uh, but the, the pen name of the, the painter was Bruno Amarillo. And it was... Uh, Is this the painting from Ghostbusters 2? <laughs> Vigo the Carpathian. Vigo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there are tons of different versions, all portraits, all tearful boys or girls. And um, there are urban legends you know, the tribute to a curse of the painting. And there's like this tabloid newspaper in the late eighties that reported that, um, this like firefighter in somewhere in Britain claimed, uh, that undamaged copies of the paintings were frequently being found in like ruined or burned houses, uh, that, that had burned down and where parish happened. Damn. So, uh, everyone's saying like there's but the painting survives, know, the painting survives. There's no, like a curse. Yeah, yeah. dude. Weird thing. That, I mean, that might be cursed. Think of that though, like being a firefighter and be like, "Wait, what the hell?" Like everything around me is decimated, but this thing survived, uh, which is which is pretty. Now you bury that fucking thing. Yeah, pretty strange. All right, well, let's get rolling. Ten movies. Yes. So, do you? Why don't you start, man? I will start. Yeah, bring us in. I'm gonna do one of uh, our favorites. This is from uh, our buddies and pals and friends over at Angry Mule Productions. Uh, somebody that we hold near and dear to our heart, Eliza. Uh, Morris and uh, Stephen Tramontana both and uh, this movie is Killer Pinata alright now son this is the big day you get to pick a pinata for the game this one we have a winner This is from uh, 2015. 2015? Yep, 2015. 2017. It was 2015. God damn. Long time ago. I know. Time's a weird thing. All right. So uh, this movie is just, you know, indie production. They funded it off uh, Indiegogo or GoFundMe or one of those uh, uh, peer, whatever. Yeah, crowdfunded. Yep, crowdfunded. Sources. That's, yep. that's what I was looking for. Uh, this is about a donkey pinata uh, that is seeking revenge for uh, his pals that he watched get uh, the stuffing beat out of. Yeah. Uh, man, I love this movie. And uh, just the connection we have to it and the people that created it and how much we love them makes me love this movie so much more. Yeah, I totally agree. We've had Steven on the show, and uh, we've done a couple Patreon episodes, too. We're going to have 
some additional content around the sequel, which is due to come out uh, pretty early this year as well. Which I feel like we haven't talked about, or we have, I don't remember, but that's one of the most fun experiences I've had of this past year, uh, movie-wise, was watching that movie with you. Yeah, they gave us a little screener for it, which was was super awesome of, of Stephen to be able to do, but... One of our best friends is in the film. Yep. One of our, who's become one of our best friends, directed it. Uh, this movie is super fun. As Jamie mentioned, it's very, very indie. And uh, it's... $3,000 they raised. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's like incredibly self-aware. It's incredibly fun. They don't cheap out. They do practical effects. Uh, it is about a cursed doll, right? So you've got this pinata that's enraged and upset and out on a killing spree and the puppeteering and all the the funness that accompanies that you know there's a there's a lot that went into the whole thing a lot of the kills happen off screen uh it's mostly uh sequestered to a house yeah um in chicago north center which is essentially where we lived yeah Uh, so like the connection to is just there's so many connections uh but so the story uh here is about a cursed pinata uh, the dad at the very beginning of the movie, just a quick synopsis. This dad goes into the store to get a pinata for his son. Very last minute, the wife told him to. He like forgot. Who's at this party shop? Uh, asks the the guy who just seems pretty clueless <laughs> behind the counter uh, about the pinatas, and he's like, "Well, we have these and we yeah. have those." And uh, and he's like, "All right, well, give me three. I'll take these and this, and then uh, give me the standard donkey pinata." Uh, and the only donkey pinata they have has a big sign on it that says, do not sell, yep. uh, the shopkeep, uh, she made sure that nobody could buy it, but this guy's kind of, um, not the smartest, you know, he's not the brightest bulb. So he sells it to this guy. Turns out this is a cursed pinata. Uh, he watches the other two get beat to shit at the birthday party. He gets spared, yeah. but now he's on a, you know, bloodthirsty, uh, revenge tour. Uh, because he watched his two friends. One of them was his girlfriend, I believe. Yep. Uh, you know, get beat to death. So now he's ready to uh, kill the people that killed his friends. Uh, and that's kind of the story. We get a, a backstory that I really, I can spoil it, but I, it's almost more fun to watch. Yeah. It's an animated sequence in the movie. One of the better parts of the movie, in my opinion, uh, just because it kind of ties everything together and it's, it's offbeat a little bit with it being animated. So uh, pretty fun. And I like the way it comes out. and. Uh, Eliza and uh, the other actor, I can't think of his name right now. They like, they both make these comments and you're just like, what the fuck? Uh, it's really funny. There are uh, some great yeah. montage scenes in here. There are some great kills and we're super pumped for, for everyone to be able to check out the, the sequel. Oh yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so a pinata is a very common thing. A uh, common thing you see at most parties. Uh, you see them at least probably three times a year just without trying to, right? Yeah, and dude, uh, that's so, what I love about this prompt is like how mundane these objects are yeah. for the most part. And then they they they're that MacGuffin. Then right? They lash they're like, out. They're what cause peril through the the experience of, of yeah. the storytelling. Um, so, yeah, th- this movie is <laughs> a ton of fun. It's funny. It's gritty. It's gory. And, I've seen uh, a lot of uh, comments that say it's better than it has any right to be. Yeah. And honestly, like I hate to like frame it that way i hate to frame it in a negative way at all but uh if i didn't know eliza and i didn't know steven and i didn't know angry mule i would i would probably say that yeah like this should be shitty but it's not it's like really good they know that they 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 made a low budget film with three thousand dollars yeah you're doing the best you can and they fucking nailed it yeah and it's currently available on tubi 
So if you want to check it out for free. Yeah, or uh, Screenbox if you have that. Yeah. If you went and got Terrifier 2 for free and then just got roped into the uh, long-term contract. uh, (laughs) Annuity, yeah. Good pick, man. Love that movie. Love those guys. So I'm glad glad you picked that one. I went a different route uh, for my first pick. So um, Can't wait to hear it. Mine had a little bit more of a budget than that, and I feel guilty that I didn't uh, pick one our friends made. I'm a bad guy. So I'm going to go to 2013 Mike Flanagan film, Oculus. Hello again. You must be hungry. Tim is a healthy adult who represents no danger to himself or anyone else. And I believe he should be discharged. Hey, little brother. I found it. What do you mean? We only have a few days. A few days for what? To keep our promise and kill it. My name is Kaylee Ann Russell. The purpose of today's experiment is to prove that the object behind me is responsible for at least 45 deaths in a four So, dude, all right. I, so, thinking of this prompt, again, thinking of items that are mundane and scary, the item in this film is the mirror, obviously. So that's our cursed object. So this is starring uh, Karen Gillan, Brenton Thwarts and Katie Sackhoff, and it's about a woman who tries to kind of like, I guess, like exonerate her brother who, yeah, you know, has been. The one thing about this movie that upsets me, by the way, speaking of exoneration, is when her brother is leaving his facility. It says like basically on the door, it's like mental health rehab facility or something. It's like no one fucking calls that that right. It's like. Kimberly Pines yeah, yeah, rehab yeah, center. Yeah. Or it's not, it's not that, right. but anyway, uh, she's working to exonerate her brother who was convicted for, uh, for a murder of a family member as you come to find, but she's kind trying to show that the crime was committed by the, this supernatural, like kind of phenomenon that's being brought on by this mirror. So, uh, Mike, this very stylish Mike Flanagan esque, uh, it looks great. It feels great. This movie's scary as hell. Um, and it has that like deep, deep uh familial sensibility to it. Like this movie's very, very emotional in the way the family very members much so. yeah. yeah, dude, the way they interact with one another and the way they um they 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 pull on each other emotionally and you just you feel it. And the acting more so like of the parents and them as kids, I feel like that unit's real tight. Oh yeah. Um less i think of the kids as they're older but that well they they're fractured at that point yeah yeah um but so so the the mirrors are object here uh this was based off a short film uh by the same name we actually covered this movie with our buddy mateo uh uh long time ago i feel like a couple years ago at this point um but the definition of the word oculus is a circular or oval window or an eye, which is very uh-huh. interesting because the mirror is what really makes this whole thing tick. So this mirror is what manipulates time. It's what manipulates space. It what it's what manipulates um, the perception of reality for our characters, and it's what really drives the mother of the family to madness. So this movie is great because it weaves in and out of it weaves in and out of timelines of the family all being together when they're kids and then coming back to 
the kids after the parents are no longer part of the equation trying to you know piece together and figure out what it was that had occurred and the sister's adamant that the mirror was what you know created the issue the brother who's been in the rehab uh facility is the one that's more reluctant so you've got the Mulder scully thing going on uh throughout the entire film which yeah. is super interesting but uh i think this movie it's it's honestly super scary it's very disruptive because of the kind of you know i for me and i don't know if this is just cuz i lost my mother when i was young but like any film that has like a mom like uh descending into madness in this kind of capacity is very very upsetting to me and it's very yeah. like not only visually but like emotionally this whole like her character the mom's character the way it just comes so unraveled and like being tethered in that room and it's scary dude like it's it's really scary the way that it's done um and the end of this movie is really devastating like or we're not gonna ruin it for anyone but like it's honestly one of those things where like the pin drops and you're like all right cool i'm just gonna not be happy for a week and feel real bummed out for a while here Yeah, this movie's depressing it is but it's really well done, I think. Um, it's effective, and the, the mirror is really what manipulates the story, and it is truly this, like, cursed, horrifying object that gets its way. And I remember in the, the very, very beginning, you know, like, um, the, the sister of the main character, she's the one that's, she's, she's like an antique dealer, I guess, and she's at auction, mm. which is where the movie kind of starts, and... She's like bidding to buy this mirror, essentially. And um, so long story short, she gets the mirror back in her possession. And when she gets the mirror and she's alone with it, she like pulls the uh, the sheet off of it like it's a Agatha Christie fucking <laughs> novel. And she's like staring into the mirror and she says, uh, you must be hungry. And that like mm. sentiment is just so haunting and weird and strange. Yeah, man. Uh, this is a great, I mean, a great cursed object in a very depressing movie. So, yeah, good work. Thanks, man. That's my number five. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's actually uh, one of the more cursed objects I can think of. Yeah, you want that in your house? No. Would you rather have that or the killer pinata in your house? Dude, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> The pinata, I'd probably get a cool, like, montage where I can, like, craft <laughs> weapons. All right, man. Uh, All right, so, yeah, I'll my next, next one, one is uh, it's from the movie Poltergeist from 1982, and this is The Clown. What kind of disturbances? I scary one huh yeah dude, i mean like if you grew up in the 80s or early 90s this haunted your forever. dreams yes yeah. yep you probably still hate clowns because of this one um this is like the quintessential like uh scare to me back in those days like when i think of uh 80s movies and scares i always think of this one um so you we have a little foreshadowing uh that robbie's clown that sits in like a chair 
And at one point he throws his coat over it because it's like scaring him. Yeah. This is after the Carol Ann. Like she's already out of TV land. You think you're safe. There's some sort of sense of safety now uh, because the bad thing already happened. Right. Uh, little do you know that like, no, this house is still haunted as fuck. Uh, yeah. So the, at one point this clown gets possessed, uh, starts dragging the boy. Like when he looks under the bed and then turns around and the clown is there, wraps his fucking like lanky shitty clown arm around his neck. Pulls him under the bed. Dude, so fucking scary still. Uh, there's not really much I can say about this object. It's a clown doll that was in the movie. Uh, there's actually this guy I found named Sean Clark, who, like, at the very beginning of eBay, like, when eBay started to be a thing and people didn't really know how to sell stuff and didn't know how to market stuff, really, uh, I guess his friend knew that he was into collecting uh, horror merchants from, you know, like, movie sets and contacted him and was like, hey, dude, on eBay, there's this... One of the clown dolls from Poltergeist. So he goes, buys it. I didn't see the price that he bought it for, but said it was super easy, pretty cheap considering. Uh, so it turns out that four dolls were made for the movie. Two had a happy face. One had an evil face. And they had one that would transition from a happy to a sad or happy to an evil face. So which one did he end up that's with? That's the one that they were selling on eBay. The transition? Because that's the one that was never actually used in the movie. That's the one you uh, wanted. So that's you get the one both. that he got. Yeah. yeah. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like uh, this mo- like your description of the clown to this movie is what this movie is in general. Like it is, it is the Midwest safety that you and I grew up in yep. and feel so much comfort f- from. Even though this is not the Midwest, it still is that suburb Midwest vibe. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why we love yeah, it yeah. so much. I feel, and it it does the thing where it takes the very ordinary objects and makes them scary. So like. You could pick a couple different things from this movie. You've got the oh, t- absolutely, yeah. The television, yep. right? You've got the clown. You've got the tree. You got the swimming. Like so many, so many different, yeah. So many different things, and it that's what makes this so scary. It's like, hey, my suburban household is now a minefield of haunted fucking activity that's horrifying and scary at every turn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely it. Like. They even, like, go out of their way at the beginning to do, like, the Star-Spangled Banner. Like, yeah. you're like, this is Americana, and, you know, and yeah. the football your shit's about to get and, yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Is what you don't know. That's me riding my bike to your house, dropping my 12-pack of Michelob <laughs> Ultra in your right. front yard. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we both love this movie so much, but... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel very fondly toward toward this pick, man, and that's a great haunted object. But yeah, I mean, uh, what Annabelle is to kids now is what this clown was to probably all of us growing up back in those days. So, so moving on to my number four. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that was your number four. So my number four. I'm going to go with another somewhat more obvious pick, I guess. But this is a film called The Ring from 2002. Oh yeah. Because that this videotape that kills you when you watch it. You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. Katie told you she was going to die. She told me. 
So directed by Gore Verbinski, starring Naomi Watts, Brian Cox, does an amazing job in this movie. Actually, very scary and effective scene. Uh, Martin Henderson, and it's about a journalist, uh, Naomi Watts, who's investigating a mysterious videotape. And this videotape seems to cause the death of anyone that watches it a week after they see it. So our item, our cursed object here is the videotape yep. question, right? So again, taking that truly mundane. So this came out 2002. It's a, a remake of the 1998 film called Ringu, which was Japanese film. So you got to think that came out late 90s, was probably written mid 90s. So you're in the heyday of the videotape world, right? So uh, who did not have and who I still, as a 35-year-old man that lives in Ohio, have a box on the other side of this wall of unmarked VHS tapes. Sure. Who the hell knows what's on them? Probably workout videos from my mom. Probably Predators on one. I know shitload of X-Files that I probably recorded over all my mom's soap operas on. Like, so many, so many things, right? So you take this very commonplace item which is a vhs tape which is found in pretty much every home right every video store everywhere but this movie kind of started I, I feel like this was one of the three pillars of like the resurgence of horror um you had scream in 96 you had uh don't Blair- forget copycat in 95 what I meant was you had Copycat in 95. There you go. Uh, Scream in 90. So you had Scream in 96, Blair Witch that came shortly thereafter, right? And then The Ring. And I feel like those were the kinds of films that were like, okay, we're making horror accessible and exciting again for, for kids, right? And this movie being PG-13, I feel like was very ingrained in like every fucking middle school conversation at the time. Oh, yeah. And I was younger, not that young when this came out, but younger. And I remember it was the thing that parents feared. It was like, there's this movie about a videotape that's unmarked where kids die after they watch it. And I don't want them watching this movie. And they're going to these middle school or high school parties with unmarked videotapes. And one of those videotapes could be the videotape of this movie about this videotape. And it's like this layers of fucking like meta universe. You know what I mean? So it created like layers and layers of fear. Before you even see the movie, like you're, you're already feeling fear about VHSs about the device, like the, the actual physical media before it even happens. So not talking about this movie was not an option for me. Had to be a pick. Uh, And I thought that, Rewatching this, I can't tell you the last time I watched this movie. I mean, when's the last time you think that you saw it? I ro- uh, prior, this is prior fucking to this. weird. Like a uh, week and a half ago, we were trying to f- put something on for my youngest son, the five-year-old, because he wanted to watch something oh. scary. We put this on, oh. uh, and he just kind of was bored, so we shut it off. But, but I, so the pacing for sure is not like th- this movie. I don't think could be made in this way today. Like the pacing no. is very. Yeah investigative yeah it's, it's like film noir style almost in it my is. opinion yeah it, it's very it is very pg-13 too right it's oh, not like certainly yeah super grotesque but, but still so fucking scary i remember seeing it in the theater and just being like that was fucking scary the, which I, I feel lame now even saying that but you know 
is what it is. I think the pacing's effective. Like you're learning. <laughs> it's a thriller. You're. It's not something a five year old can pay attention to, but I feel like it's good for. I totally agree. An man. adult. I I who think is it held to be up. Watching it, yeah. I really feel like it held up, but there were certain elements that I really felt I enjoyed. I guess reflecting upon it now as a parent and whatnot, and not having of of having a relationship with this movie from the past, and then rewatching it and being a fan of horror. Yeah, yeah. So I think a the parental dynamic of this did a lot to my brain. It was very disruptive in my mind. I was like, holy shit, like she is a mother and she's got this fucking per- person who's her friend and father of this kid who's like not at all willing yeah. to parent, uh, which makes it very like chaotic and unsettling. But uh, I also really, really loved the whole uh, the cabin vibe. Oh, yeah. And when she goes there to do her investigation and there's that like that rack behind her and he's like, well, sometimes people, you know, there's a VHS player in every room and sometimes people grab a tape and she turns around and like those tapes are on there. And I was like, oh, my, that's any like Airbnb or vacation rental home. Yeah. Like the VHS is dude, just so much nostalgia. Uh, even just just kind of looking at that, there's still places like that that exist, oh which is gosh. amazing, right? Which is so yeah. crazy. Um, and I think uh, the breaking of the fourth wall too was really cool. Again, thinking of the meta upon meta universe that they create here. Yeah, you know, watching the TV and having this horrifyingly sad, really sad story if you think about it, of like a mother dumping a kid. Like that fucking scene where the tight bunned black haired mother is dumping a kid into a well and then that 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 kid with the hair crawling out of the TV. Dude. It's it's really scary. So that's my number four, the ring. Samara? Is that her name? Samara Weaving. <laughs> All right, so my number three is gonna be uh this is from Probably the first movie I watched on Shudder, which is a weird thing to know, but I'm pretty sure uh, that this is the case for me. If you gave me 50 guesses, I don't know if I'd be able to guess my yeah. first movie I watched on Shudder. Uh, all right, so this is uh, The Mask from a movie called You Might Be the Killer. This is from uh, 2018, starring uh, what? What's this dude's name? Fran Frankenton, the dude from uh, Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the stoner stoner guy from Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Allison Hannigan, right? Yes. Yeah. Which, like, I did not. The first time I saw this, I don't even know if I knew it was her. Yeah. Which is weird, uh, because it's so obviously her. Uh. Uh, so this movie picks up in the third act, essentially, um, yeah, where really our our main character Sam wakes up. Uh, he he's been having these blackouts frequently now. Uh, this is a it's essentially a camp slasher. Uh, yeah, 
he wakes up at a campground that his parents used to own, and now he runs. Um, the kids are not there yet. It's just the counselors there for like the pre, uh, you know, the kind of the Friday the 13th part two setup. They're there getting uh, their orientation, getting ready to go uh, before the kids actually arrive. <clears throat> uh, he wakes up from these blackouts that he's having, and uh, he calls his friend who is a horror aficionado. She is essentially one of us. Uh, she would have, if she was a real character, she would probably have an Instagram posting photos from her comic book shop that she works at. And yeah, we would dude. all be like, yo, did you see uh, the photo that so-and-so posted? Uh, so he's covered in blood. The camp counselors are being killed. He doesn't know what's going on. He's scared. He thinks he's being uh, chased down. As Allison Hannigan's character starts asking more questions because that's what she does. She decides that he may be the killer. You might be the killer. <laughs> uh, which is where we, where we get the title of the movie. So we find out that uh, our cursed item here is the mask. Um, we get a pretty good little backstory about how this mask uh, came to be cursed and why it is what it is. And uh, we find out that Sam's family uh, back in the, let's assume, 1800s or something, get this plot of land all right so this wood carver crafts yeah. this mask yeah. from a tree it basically looks like Groot from it does Guardians of the Galaxy. yes <laughs> so it turns out that uh a cajun medicine man uh the people that founded the land were actually cajun this cajun medicine man uh came across this i don't know haunted dark spirit or something uh so he traps the spirit in this tree and uh, this woodcarver unknowingly crafts a mask from this tree that houses a dark spirit. If you put the mask on, you become a fucking psycho killer. That's really all there is to this. So the mask they buried is the, the mask. cursed object. So back in the day, uh, the woodcarver went crazy, started killing everybody. There was a final girl back in those days. We never see. Yeah. We just know that this existed. This yep. happened. Uh, and the final girl buries the mask where the woodcarver was buried. Uh, in this movie, somehow he ends up digging up the mask. For some reason, one of the other counselors talks him into, she actually puts it on for him. He becomes a killer. From there, the counselors are being killed. This movie's pretty good, pretty funny. It's funny, yeah. It's meta. Very self-aware. I think, uh, I think it's... The casting is what makes this because, like, if it weren't these two, uh, the would two, never the two leads. Like nobody this, might even know about it. Oh my god! It, it and it could have gone so wrong if you didn't have the right people, uh, carrying the cadence. Like their their chemistry is really really good. Uh, quite so honestly, good. And, and like she she could be doing this movie from literally anywhere. Yeah. Uh, she's phoning these things in quite quite literally from this weird looking comic book shop. It's not super inviting. I would like it to be more inviting. It's got some good horror posters on the wall. But it's so funny, like even the way she's like on the phone and people are in there and she's talking about gory murder details in there, like it sounds like uh your buddy's having a rough time. Yeah, you need better friends. Like yeah. shit like yeah. that. Uh the the stuff in passing was was a lot of fun. Sure. But I I did think that the casting was key key in this. I think the concept was great. Um the the ancillary characters, the ones that get 
kind of like killed off. This is where the movie lacks for me. Yeah, it's that to me. Counselors are just kind of yeah, yeah. Characters that are just kind of like they're there on paper. Yeah, but there's nothing backing them. They're really getting outshined, I think, by the 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 main. And that's probably what they're supposed to, you know. Which again is with it. It's fine with the movie starting where it does. We don't really need that much character building, I guess. Um, but the one character that I I actually love is the kayaking. <laughs> that dude is just <laughs> so funny. And they like I think only refer to him as the kayak king. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, Steve. Uh, and it's it's so it's so funny the way they uh characterize and 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 tropeize kind of everyone in this movie. That's, you know, the point of it as as Jamie mentioned, it's very meta and self-aware, but yeah, dude, this is I think a pretty underrepresented film. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, it was on Shutter. It was one of the selling points for me when I got it. Uh, I watched it immediately, uh, and then I think once it left Shutter, just kind of got forgot about. You know, there's a yeah, couple movies I now. Really that, dig to find it. There's movies that come out now that they just get lost. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. the '80s was like that. We uncover new shit all the time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so maybe someday this will get uncovered and people really dig it. Uh, camp clear Vista was the name of the camp, which is yeah. kind of lame to me. Uh, but whatever. I think it's, it's fine in line with it being supposed to be hokey kind of concept, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get to see like, you would think you would get to see more like camp. <laughs> yeah. like you don't, it's just yeah. like really dark. You just, they're like in the woods the whole time running. From it the is scary. very, very dark. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go to uh, back to the 80s for us here. Oh, yeah, good. It's about time. Yeah, I'm going to go to a film I think everyone on this earth has seen, Sam Raimi's 1981 classic, Evil Dead. Ooh. So this film, as most know, this is one of the obvious ones that you just can't yeah. not. My next two yeah. are are in that in that camp. Yeah, good. But uh, yeah, Bruce Campbell, Ellen Sandweiss, uh, amazing in this movie. It's about five friends that travel to a cabin in the woods that literally has become like the mecca and concept. <laughs> like th- uh, you might be the killer would not exist exactly if this yeah. if this movie didn't right. Uh, so it was movies like this and Friday the 13th that like forged the camp counselor concept into to all of our psyche. But these five friends travel to a cabin in the woods and they unknowingly um, kind of release these flesh possessing zombie esque, witch esque kind of uh, demons. But the vessel, the vehicle that does the release of this uh, of this terror is a book. And this book is called the ne- Necronomicon. So Necronomicon is a uh, fictitious book that translates to the Book of the Dead. I think in uh, Arabic, I believe, is uh, the origin. Uh, But this was a a book that was kind of created uh, as a fictional textbook of magic by H.P. Lovecraft. 
and he, uh, Lovecraft wove the Necronomicon into a lot of his work. I think the early twenties, he had a story called the hound, I believe it was a short story. It wasn't even a full novel. Uh, but that was like the first uh, place that it appeared. And then it started to appear in a lot of his work and a lot of subsequent work. And I, I, I guess he gave a pretty liberal license to who could use the Necronomicon as part of uh, the lore. And it started to become this like really cult presence. And there are legit people that I've talked to that are like, oh, do you, you know, do you follow the Necronomicon? And I'm like, you know, it's a fucking fake book, right? It's not like a real religion. And I think people actually feel like it's a real, a real thing that people practice, which is oh. pretty wild. Um, but that just shows the impact of you know Lovecraft. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, and even Jason goes to hell. Yes, has uh, uh, some reference to the Necronomicon, which is pretty wild. But back to Evil Dead. I mean, what cannot, what can and cannot be said about this film? This is the perfect blend, the perfect balance of humor, of gore, of uh, of 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 friends gritting it out of um of person versus nature <laughs> like this really tackles it all it's the most ambitious thing ever uh sam raimi is wildly creative and amazing in in the production of this film and i think his oh, yeah. ongoing friendship with bruce campbell i think they were high school friends like uh the friendship between he and, and bruce in this it's it's very very obvious that like only a person that is your closest friend would be willing to do like take and take and take and cut and cut and cut after, after this. And I was reading stuff about how Bruce Campbell would have to like, uh, get a ride home in a pickup truck after every day of shooting, because he was like so ridiculously covered in blood, uh, every, (laughs) every single day. Uh, so it was like a nightmare for, for him and a nightmare to shoot. But, uh, the iconic scenes, um, the fight with the witch coming out of the trap door, the tree, uh, all of this, man, like uh, so much of this, this movie's uh, stapled into our minds and, and it's all driven by this, uh, this cursed object, the ne- Necronomicon. So they do this uh, incantation basically unknowingly to, uh, to start things off and, and kind of wake up this book. And, you know, I think Hocus Pocus would not exist. Like the book in Hocus Pocus is a very obvious yeah. Knock off. Yeah, knock off uh, Necronomicon 2.0. And, you know, this movie's amazing and important for a million different reasons. Oh, yeah. For uh, royalty, this movie is. Yeah. So that's my, my pick here, the Book of the Dead from uh, nice, man. Evil Dead. Yeah, that's an important one. Yep. Uh, this is a much less important one, uh, but also one <laughs> that probably shaped a lot of childhoods and that we all probably watched growing up. This is actually not a movie. It's an episode of a show called Goosebumps. Uh, This is the 15th episode of season one. This is Say Cheese and Die. So this is starring Ryan Gosling, of course, a young doe-eyed Ryan Gosling, probably pre-Disney or maybe post-Disney. I don't know. Still handsome. Starring a still handsome Ryan Gosling. 
Uh, so this centers around, you guessed it, a cursed camera. Uh, the, the kids find when they sneak into the basement of the Kaufman house, uh, which is like this creepy house in the town that they live in, which looks like fucking Ohio. Uh, I know that this show took place in Canada, but I feel like Canada, at least these parts, could be Ohio or anywhere USA. And R.L. Stein is from Ohio, so. Yes, exactly. The aesthetic, I'm sure, is influenced by that, yeah. Definitely. Uh, so there's this, like, caretaker of the place. I, this guy in there, I don't know. His name is Spidey. Uh, yeah. I, he's this fucking scientist that I, I don't know if he created the camera. I don't, I don't really remember. This, his lab partner put a curse on the camera or something. Uh, his name is Dr. Fritz Fredrickson. And uh, I think he did his best to try to keep the camera under wraps because he knew it was cursed. So instead of destroying it, maybe he couldn't destroy it uh, like a lot of cursed items. But he kept it in this basement. These kids sneak in. They get the, the camera. Uh, what happens? Fucking mayhem is what happens, John. Uh, Ryan Gosling takes it to his family home where he starts taking pictures of his sister and his fucking uh, family's new car and uh, everything is going to shit. You know, the car gets crashed. The sister goes missing. Uh, they quickly realize this camera is bullshit. Uh, so they try to return it. Uh, they get in there and they're just like Dr. Fritz is like being a prick. And they take a picture of Dr. <laughs> Fritz. His name is Spidey now. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's a it's a cursed camera uh, that no good can come from. Yeah, dude. And I, correct me if I'm wrong, but we interviewed Tim Jacobus, who mm-hmm. did the illustrations for the covers of all this the This is one of my Goosebumps. favorite covers, too. And I think he said this was his favorite cover or one of his favorite covers that he did, right? Was from oh, yeah, he did say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you recall um, the book cover from this, uh, from this specific uh, book, it was this family around a barbecue, right? And they were all yes. uh, skeletons yep. uh, around the barbecue, basically depicting what Jamie's kind of describing here from the camera. But yet, dude, cursed object as hell. And again, taking that Midwest vibe or Midwest Canada vibe <laughs> yeah, um, and, and bringing it to, to your real life and, and just, tainting a very mundane daily used object um that at that that time was not digital and very analog and it's like very much so oh, Pol- we, shooting polaroids out dude yeah i mean just think of that like that's that's such a cool time of life to have to wait on answers for something and to like think of like <laughs> oh what's the engineering in here it's not a fucking software program someone can yeah, remotely yeah. update yeah. real quick right can't like, just remotely hack this yeah so i yeah. love that quality to like all things goosebumps, but particularly sure. to this prompt. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. I uh this is one of my favorite episodes. Like when I go back to the show yearly or whatever, uh I used to watch it the whole series. Like you know, yeah. when working I'd put it on. Yep. Just have it on I the back. I feel like I can't do that anymore because there's too many episodes that like annoy me in some way. Not that I don't like them, but like maybe there's a parent or a teacher that I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this shit. You know? Yeah. Uh but there's episodes that I always have to catch every year, and this is one of them. Uh, and this was the fourth book, and the book was released in uh, 1992, I think. Uh, this episode was, so I, I don't know, whatever. So, so many Goosebumps books, I think, and episodes could represent this topic well, like The Mask and oh, The Haunted dude, Mask. absolutely. Cuckoo Clock of Doom. I mean, when, like you're making, so uh, when you're making horror 
uh, stuff for kids, the cursed objects is is a great route to go. The fucking sponge. Remember we were talking about this a couple of months ago, and like my daughter, yes, we were was watching Goosebumps, and she was like looking at our scrubby daddy in the kitchen. She was like, "Can that thing walk?" And I was like, <laughs> "Nope, sure can't." But that's the idea. It's like taking something that's not scary and making it scary. So the book, uh, that that book came out in '92. I think the show was like '96. Yeah. Okay. That sounds more timely yeah, yeah, and relevant. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I was not 11 when this. When I was watching these uh, shows. Scared the hell out of me. Yeah. I was 19 years old. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, say cheese and die. Uh, Polaroid camera. Great pick, dude. Do you think the movie Polaroid knocked this shit off? No, not at all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to head to my next one. So I'm staying in the 80s to another classic, obvious, can't not pick kind of film. I'm going with 1983's John Carpenter, obvious, obvious classic, Christine. She is seductive. She is passionate. She is possessive. She is pure, evil. She is Christine. A 1958 Plymouth Fury, possessed by hell. Gotta do it, man. So, starring Keith Gordon. It's a biggie. Yeah. Huge, huge. John Stockwell. It's a big object car, you know? I mean, it's like the biggest (laughs) object I think we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, this movie's, uh, you know, directed by John Carpenter, the story written by Stephen King, and it's about a a nerdy nerdy boy who buys a, a strange car with uh an evil mind the car has the evil nine mind not the boy and it's now his own and it's his own nature that kind of starts to change along with now having this car so um when you talk about the cursed cursed object it's obviously this this car that that arnie buys and it it changes him entirely so it's this car's a real tough ass <laughs> so like of all the objects that we're talking <laughs> about, like a lot of them are cursed and have bad intention, but this for being an inanimate object is incredibly manipulative and has the ability to like really bend people's minds, bend people's perspectives. And um, I just read the book in detail last mm-hmm. fall, I think maybe a year ago, like a year and a half ago. And it goes more in depth on like what the car did to Roland, uh, Roland LeBay, I believe his name is, who Arnie buys yeah. the car from, and the salt shoveler. Yes, yeah, yeah dude, it's the fucking guy <laughs> yeah. from Home Alone too. Exactly, uh, wearing the back brace and all this stuff, and like it, it basically atrophies his mind, and it does essentially to to Roland. The car does to Roland what the mirror does to the mother in Oculus, right? So it oh right, yep wears you down and it manipulates you and it makes you feel yearning and want and need and all this stuff, but it, it can never be satisfied. And it just, the, the person that takes the toll is the person that's, you know, infatuated with the car. So, sure. um, but this, this movie's, this movie really embod- embodies that prompt. Right. Um, and it's Arnie's first and only, I guess, well, not only maybe, but it's his first and truest love. You know, he, 
he has this uh love interest in in the movie as well but like he goes down with the with the car because like that is his thing like there's no other there's no rationalization like i think all of us have had a friend in life that has had an affinity for something or someone that we don't fully understand that we know is unhealthy yeah. for them right yeah it's like definitely. this person's not right for you or no man or no woman like you're you're just you're too into this uh you're too into this whatever it might be and like this movie really embodies that uh toxic relationship that could exist with something animate or inanimate uh in this case it just happens to be inanimate in the form of a car and it's the most unhealthy relationship that could possibly exist and it's very chaotic because you know arnie's best friends trying to like justify to the community at large like no this is unhealthy because arnie's being manipulated by a car and everyone's like what the fuck are you talking about um but the community the police like people start to wise up to it start to understand it and uh the unraveling of of arnie is very prevalent and palpable and and sad quite honestly dude so sad honestly uh but i think the the rebuild scene you know we talked about this uh when we i think it was back on episode 40 42 if i'm not mistaken but we had the yeah the regen yeah, the the boys from Alone in the Dark on the on the podcast, and we talked about you know uh, iconic scenes from from certain horror films. And Show me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the regeneration scene of uh, when Christine you know gets beat to hell and then kind of puts herself back together, and uh, that that whole process is very is very intense and, and intimidating and scary and cool and exciting and fun and uh, you know evokes quite a bit of different uh range of emotions and i think this this movie does a great job of doing that because it's really it's intense man like this the story is very intense and yeah it is it's very tragic it's you know yeah and just having uh more re- you know i watch this movie probably two three times a year and have for fucking eternity but uh having recently read the book in full i thought kind of really changed my perspective and appreciation on the depth of of all this because i always loved it for how it looked and how it felt and and whatnot but i this there's there's a lot to this a lot of layers so i think it fits this mold it fits this prompt and uh this is a cursed horror object that you want to really avoid at all fucking costs highly avoid i think any nobody wants to come in contact with this car yeah. I'm surprised the old man lasted as long as he did. Roland LeBay? Yeah. Uh, no, no, not Roland. Well, who's the guy that runs the shop? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, guy with the cigar. Yeah. Oh. That guy, how did he coexist with Christine as long as he did and make it, you know? Yeah, he just does. He's described as like this basic like mobster, hard ass with a really bad heart for eternity and yeah, yeah, that yeah. Like, won't die or won't get sick kind of deal. So, Oh, he's supposed to be a mobster. Yeah. Like he, his, um, operation, like the cars, he is supposed to like be taking these cars in so that he can run, uh, drugs or cigarettes or like, uh. ta- like, sell items like cigarettes and alcohol to evade taxes to other markets and shit like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Arnie is supposed to be like a runner for him. Oh. Yeah. In the book. Yeah, the well, movie absolutely does not. No. He does offer him a job. Uh, and yeah. Arnie kind of like is a prick about it. 
but the job is very innocent sounding in the movie, right? Yeah. Not, not but in the book, it's the probably book. like justified for Arnie to be hesitant. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, man, that's my number two. All right. So my number one is my big one. This is uh, my 80s movie. All right. Let's hear it. Uh, although I guess uh, Poltergeist was as well. But this is uh, Save the Best for Last, you know? Um, we have a lot of cursed objects. You've seen a lot of Ouija boards, but you've only seen one witch board. And it was in 1986, the movie of the same name, Witch Board. <laughs> David? Are you here? Can you hear me? It began at a party. <laughs> it was only a game. David, will you return to the living one day? Bullshit. Careful, Jim. You're upsetting David. David, are you all right? Jesus Christ, were you practicing <laughs> that introduction for like the past two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> standing so in my dramatic. mirror from Oculus, uh, just rehearsing. Jamie's just holding two Ouija cups in each hand. <laughs> like. uh, so this is directed by Kevin Tenney, who also directed uh, Part 2, which is supposed to be pretty good. I have not seen it. Oh, I, I um, haven't seen this until you told me about it. Part 2 took place in the early 90s, so that's probably its own whole level of cheese. Uh, this He also directed Night of the Demons in 1988. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is the first... I. I believe this is what I saw probably on Wikipedia or some shit, John. Uh, first movie to use a Ouija board as a main character. I mean, it does. Yeah. So, like, cursed objects, this board. Fucking cursed. All right, I'm sorry. Before you go any further, what's hilarious is coming into watching this movie, I started to stress about calling it a Ouija board or a Ouija board because no one knows, and everyone has a very... It's like religion. Like, yeah, yeah. My opinion's right, and fuck you if you have a, exactly. a different one, right? And they instantly confront that concept in this movie. They argue instantly. about it. Like, instant. And I was like, all right, it's a Ouija board. Ouija. Uh, so, so, yeah, the... What's that guy's name? Uh, Brandon. In the movie, his name is Brandon. In uh, his... The actor's name is Stephen Nichols. But he, like, goes, and it, this guy's a prick. Like a law school asshole. Because they're in college or at like a college party. The lighting at that opening scene is fucking incredible, by the way. the You get the exterior scene of the house. What the fuck is this guy doing at this party? He has no business being there with his get- fucking Ferrari or Porsche out in the fucking driveway being an asshole. So he's sitting up in this like loft part where probably people are smoking pot, I would imagine. Uh, I know all the college parties I went to, the loft region was always where the pot smoking was going down. <laughs> uh, so Brandon's up there kind of... Uh, I don't know, schmoozing with everybody. Tawny Catan, who you might know from uh, White Snake videos, she uh, is up there. Brandon is her ex. She's currently with Jim, who comes up to uh, see uh, Brandon sitting way too close to Linda, is her name. Uh, so then he starts talking about Ouija boards, but he has to make sure that you call it Ouija uh, because it's, at least in the movie, I, I didn't back this up uh, with statistics but the lore in the movie is that uh it's a combination of the french word for we uh for yes which is we and a german word jaw so the ouija i i've been telling i think i've told 10 people this <laughs> lore so i hope it's fucking right <laughs> uh the ouija boards apparently uh date back to 540 bc and used by uh pythagoras again this is from uh, those days but in real life uh, the Kennard Novelty Company, 
125 years ago, uh, started this, the actual, what we know now as a Ouija board, they created this uh, toy yeah, game, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so in the movie, uh, our buddy uses this to, Brandon uses this to uh, communicate with a little boy named David. And the problem with David is like he's a nice boy and everything, but when you're using the board, you can let other spirits in as well, and they can pretend to be David. Uh, so Linda takes a liking to this board. Brandon says, you can take the board home. Go ahead. Uh, so the evil, little do we know, Linda is actually communicating with the evil David, not the good David. Yep. Uh, an outside spirit that's wedging his way in starts kind of taking over her life. She starts becoming, you know, shitty and, uh, just like real messy and missing class. Pretty much an average college student. And I love how this Brandon uh, guy like becomes, he's like an instant authority on all things Ouija. And he's like, has she been swearing a lot? Dude, fucking Mr. Ouija, this guy. Has she had a, has she been nauseous? And he's like, classic, <laughs> classic. Uh, and one of my favorite characters is uh, Jim's buddy Lloyd that he's like working construction with. Oh my God. Dude. Love that guy. Uh he reminds me of like someone from like ski school or something. It seems very out of place in this movie. Uh, but Doing I, I kind of like the, di- shit, I like yeah. a lot of the different scenes that this movie, like it starts off at this college party. Then you move to this construction site where, uh, cursed shit is going down. Lloyd yeah. meets his demise way too early. Uh, probably like 12 minutes into this movie. Uh, and then we get the, we get the boat shit there at the end. Like they're out on that beautiful, beautiful lake with the boats yeah. and the, the boathouse that blows up. And like, I don't know how we get from point A to point D in this movie. I have no fucking idea, Dude. but it's a lot of fun. And I love the style. I love the shitty hairdos that we get. Uh, this movie is like prime. Like if you lived in the eighties, you're probably like cringing, thinking that you probably styled your hair this way and shit. Yeah. So yeah, I love this one, man. If you haven't seen this, it's Witchboard. It's 1986. Uh, I think it's on Shutter. I feel like it's just always streaming, one of those perennially streaming movies. Yeah. I didn't know uh, I needed to watch it until you selected it, it, it Is this one that you had, like, you've seen the artwork and the cover art? and I knew it was a no. thing. Yeah. Um, I just, I the first I watched it was this week for this, and I'm so glad I did. So That's crazy. Yeah. It, like, if you're in 80s movies and you like horror, like, this is definitely a must Oh, you watch. can't miss it. Yeah. yeah. Checks all the boxes. And for this prompt, that Ouija board. By the way, I did some research here as you were talking. This is what I found on the nice the the, the etymology to, to the Ouija Perfect. board. So the popular belief is that the word Ouija comes from the French and German words for yes is a misconception. The name is taken from a word spelled out on the board when its inventor asked a supposed ghost to name it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, again, if you're taking your, uh, if you're quoting words of wisdom from the movie Witchboard, I which I careful. have been doing. Be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I like at least three people I told this story to this week, and they're like, "Oh, cool, yeah, I'll tell three more people." So I just ruined the world. Yeah, it's called the butterfly effect. <laughs> so we're you're uh, number one, right? All right, yeah. This is the end of the line, man. I wanted to kind of wrap us up with a pretty thoughtful one. In a movie that I didn't like, I I knew was important and impactful, and then 
I have a new appreciation for after watching it again this week. But uh, I'm going to go with the uh, 2014 film, The Babadook. Where'd you get this? On the shelf. If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Nothing bad's gonna happen, Sam. Did he think that about my dad before he died? Who sees things as they are, that one? I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh, my God. Did he hurt anyone? The boy has significant behavioural problems. Jennifer Kent directed, starring Essie Davis, uh, Noah Wiseman, Daniel Herschel, or, I'm sorry, Daniel Henschel. Uh, and it's about this single mother who, you know, she and her child fall into this kind of like fit of paranoia uh, when this children's book, this eerie children's book entitled Mr. Babadook kind of shows up at their front door. And ever since this book comes to them, um, you know, things really become unhinged and fall off the rails. So this movie came out in 2014, as I mentioned, and my youngest daughter was born in 2014. Your youngest son was born 2013. Yep. So um, we probably saw it 2015, maybe, maybe 2014, depending on when it came out. Uh, So we were young parents when this first came out. And I remember seeing it and I remember a lot of the feedback being like, hey, this is either the most compelling thing I've ever seen. It's so deep and thoughtful. And I also saw the argument of like, this is the most boring fucking thing ever. I fell asleep. Yeah. And I fell somewhere in between. I was like, I know there's more to this than I can appreciate right now. Also, it didn't totally captivate me. So sure. I don't know how I feel about it. And I just, I honestly compartmentalized it away and I was like, I'll deal with that later. It had felt like a miss for me as well. Or like I was missing something. But I erred on the side of this is not the right time. The right time. Yeah. It's like you buy a video game. You're like, yeah, I can't do this right now. And then three years from now, you're like, it's my favorite thing ever. Right. So um, I'm not saying it's my favorite movie, but I will say as a parent that has school age children, this movie had a very different impact on me watching it now than it did. Like this. First off, the acting in this movie is incredible the style of how the story is presented is also very, very intense and deliberate. And like, it's not uh, as much of a feeling as it is like a laser focus. Like I'm going to dig my nail so deep into this wound and twist my finger and you're going to feel hurt. Like it's so focused on addressing certain issues I feel. And it's really, really intense and intimidating to to manage and to watch like I I was feeling so this was one of those where after I got done watching it down here in the basement I went and slept on the floor of my kids room that night uh because I was like I I love my family I'll do anything Uh, for you guys uh so it kind of had that impact on the the rewatch for me but the book is our cursed object here so Mr. Babadook is the book and it upon entry into the lives of these two you know, and prior to the entry of this book, um, this family unit had already encountered trauma, right? So uh, the, the, the family was a family of three. So now we just have the mother and son. It was mother, father, son. 
uh, upon driving to the hospital to have the baby, car accident happened, father died. So now you just have two rather than three, right? So that cloud exists. And then you have the tension of like, and even those that say they don't have this, they're full of shit because everyone has this. If you have siblings, like there's tension over shit that you can't even explain, right? So like she's got her sister that helps like watch the kids. Her son has all these behavioral issues and like there's all this like mounting tension between her sister, the son having problems, getting kicked out of school, uh, getting put on probation at school, the cousin being a little shit, him pushing the cousin, cousin getting blood, like all this stuff. And you're like watching this and you're like, oh my God, all these things happen. And like, it sucks when these things happen in isolated manners, but I can't imagine all of them happening at the same time and also being a single parent while it's going on. So acting's phenomenal, as I mentioned, and this book comes and kind of acts as the vessel to like incite like a physical presence in a like a tangible like hey this is the one thing that's wrong and we need to fight it kind of thing it's like the man the manifestation the consolidated like manifestation of like all these things that are happening at the same time and it leads the mother you know who's clearly going through like horrifying depression and anxiety and all these other things um to have something to confront and like the way she starts to act to her kid like it becomes almost this like exorcism kind of concept and uh i think the the whole movie is a parallel and an allegory for like coming to terms with trauma coming to terms with mental health uh issues coming to terms with all that and you know the way it ends it's like hey you got to confront these things and they're never gone you have to deal with them on a daily basis you got to feed them you got to do what you need to do to maintain them in a healthy and appropriate way and confronting that and managing it in an appropriate way um, was was kind of the full resolve on it. Um, but the uh, the book, the Babadook book, uh, Mr. Babadook, uh, is the, the cursed object here that kind of enters uh, the quote-unquote cursed object. Um, but, uh, dude, this tale, like, really kind of captured me in the way I think it captured a lot of people when it first came out, and it wasn't until I, you know, was a little older and had kids a different age to fully appreciate it. Yeah, man, this is a uh, heavy one that just like, I don't find myself wanting to watch much. Um, no, I probably won't revisit it no. for another, you know, 10 years, but because there's nothing comforting about this one, you know? No, no, it's, I mean, it's, and we're not, I think you and I like horror. And the reason we do this is because we can watch the whole you know, I'll watch Witchboard 40 times, which is, or fuck, if you think about that sentence, like, the Babadook's this really <laughs> intelligent, well-written thing yeah. that... I mean, it's a much better movie. ...has a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, but it's like, now, oh, fuck it, let's watch Witchboard again and drink sure. a PBR, right? Yeah. Um, But in terms of, of things that make you think, make you feel, that have a purpose, like, there's so much in this yeah. and... And I think to bring this whole prompt full circle, it is important to talk about this movie and, and why this movie exists. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great cursed object. Uh, and fuck the Babadook. And, and there are the legitimately character. like scary. That fucking top hat. Get out of here. Scary moments in this, man. Like, yeah. Like when the dog come, ha- having a dog in my house, when the, think of the times you probably experienced this less than I do because my 
oldest has issues with this, but she'll come in our room, right? And then the dog's in there. Both cats are in there. Maybe both kids are in there. And then you're like, wait, what is making that noise yeah. in the kitchen right now? Because literally <laughs> every living thing is in this room. Right. Well, that was it then. That was That's number it, one. Man. That's Damn. the number one. We're so done. Those are our 10. That was fun. A lot of great content coming up here. So we oh, have yeah. some amazing, amazing interviews scheduled. Uh, we continue to be humbled by the individuals that agree to talk with us and listen to us ramble about things that we love so much. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for some new content. Um, but uh, stick with us. We got a lot, lot more great stuff on the horizon here, and we can't wait to have another great, great year with Dude, all you guys. 2023 is going to kill it. Take care, guys. See you soon.